This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com. Hey, this is Stephen James, Executive Director of Sage Hill Counseling. Thanks for listening to the Sage Hill Live Fully podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend, Dr. Chip Dodd from chipdodd.com. We're discussing our new book, Hope in the Age of Addiction, How to Find Freedom and Restore Your Relationships. Hey, Chip. Stephen James, hello. Hey, man. Well, this is the last installment in our special series on our new book, Mm -hmm. Hope in the Age of Addiction. Yeah. Yeah, how to find freedom and restore your relationships. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I I love the title. I don't like the subtitle because it's 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 honestly it. I would love subtitle to say how to uh, address and revitalize the a uh, 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 culture chaos. <laughs> and that's why that's not the subtitle. <laughs> So, uh, once again, thanks to the editors, because, like I say, the parenting book was... uh, When you... you, uh, The pandemic rising would be the... (laughs) An existential spiritual development. I know, I know. There's some things you give up when you partner to work with a publisher. You give up uh, control of the cover, control of the title, control of the distribution. Yes. Uh, Copyright permission over. So we're actually really grateful that we like so much of the book because it's not only ours anymore. We share it with someone. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And we're doing more with somebody than we could do alone, which is trusting. And and I'm thankful to Ravel's because their interest. As we started out these podcasts, we were asked to do two books on parenting and, um, we urge them, please do something that's even more important because parents can't parent if they're if they're involved in this pandemic in a negative yeah. way. So let's let's use this podcast to, to do wrap two up. things to wrap up. Let's let's review, you know, using the the paradigm of sickness and recovery that we have in the book of how people get sick and become addicts and how they come back to full life. Yeah. Let's use that model. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, and then let's let's end with the daily practices and disciplines of what it means to be a work in progress which is to keep heart yeah how, how do we it's keep all about heart. heart what are the daily practical yeah. practices of yeah. keeping how heart? do i keep heart yeah you know I, this is a funny a little bit of a funny story but i designed the paradigm uh, of recovery is what i originally called yeah. it. the book calls it something else but paradigm of recovery and sickness but i had it on a, a yellow legal sheet of legal pad and uh, our clinical director at the Center for Professional Excellence, I would just use it to, to teach the, the, the doctors and business people who are in treatment. So I'm showing them the whole picture of the development of addiction. And Phil is, is his name, and uh, he found it in my desk. I was just getting it out. He goes, what's this? I said, it's paradigm recovery. He looked at it, he goes, he said, he said so a few choice words, but basically he's like, you dope. Like this is the whole thing. What are you doing? Sticking this in your drawer? Your drawer on a piece of paper. <laughs> so this is a poster too, if anybody wants it. But yeah. but the paradigm recovery is really the summation. Really sums up the whole book. It says that we were born with a self, and we were born a certain way. And then if that if that self becomes rejected, in other words, I don't get to belong and matter as I'm created. Which it it will. It it, it often happens yeah. unless if a child's being raised. To process feelings, they will not do self-rejection, though life will harm and hurt yeah. for sure. But so, it, but if the child experiences abandonment, in other words, 
not getting to belong in matters I'm created, feelings are negative or bad, then that child will feel ashamed, toxic shame. So self becomes rejected because we're created to crave belonging and mattering. I will become ashamed of how I'm created because I need you so much. Mm -hmm. So I'll start having contempt for who God made me to be and start trying to become what you're looking for. Well, we even we even equate that abandonment and trauma and so like our our limbic brain equates those as threats of death. Yes. Right? So it's a it becomes a life or death experience. That Stephen, that's really true because honestly a child doesn't have a concept of death but they have a concept of alone, which is death. Yes, <laughs> which is which is death. Which so, is it's one that is one of the, the three hardwired threats every human has yes. abandonment aloneness equals death yes that's like real rounding yes yeah yes and, and and people who have a panic disorders will feel like they're suffocating yeah and because it's the true self is crying out through the anxiety to save me but yeah. it means they're alone anxiety means helpless and so alone. then i end up hating myself having toxic, toxic shame. shame and 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 then john bradshaw Brene brown go look at toxic shame but it's rejection of humility though Toxic shame is hatred towards myself for being somebody who's made to ask, seek, and knock, or somebody who's made to cry out, reach out, and take in. So codependency is the cover over toxic shame. I watch you to see who I need to be. I'm only as, my worth is wrapped up in your pleasure. I'm responsible for the great four destructive thought processes. I'm responsible for your feelings. I'm responsible for your thoughts and moods. I'm responsible for your actions. I make you do things. I can make you kill yourself by the way I look at you. I mean, mm -hmm. that's twisted. Mm -hmm. But we, we're raised to believe that kind of stuff. And then I'm a mind reader. Yeah, and, and I what know what you, you're thinking. And my performance, my then performance and your belief of me, I, I somehow believe I'm in control of. Like if I make you feel good, yes. then I exist. Yes. Yeah. And, and if, and I, if I make you feel bad, then I'm ashamed. Yeah. So, so that's codependency. If it's enslavement, that's so, addiction. So all, my whole life becomes looking outward at the people around me. Yes. And I have no internal experience yes. other than, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yes. Like a fear of death all the time. Yes. Yeah. And and until I can make something outside my world, okay. So codependency is an external solution to an internal problem it's exhausting and it's addiction it's exhausting and it wears a person out now when a person is sick and tired of codependency they can't take anymore they can't they're not uh resilient <laughs> the word the word you used you yeah. know the, the misuse yeah. of resilient then when a person says okay i've got to have some rest and that's where addiction kicks in addiction proper that's where the pill the process, the food, the exercise, the religion. And, yeah, and our, our advocacy for addiction is it's much, much broader yes. than ingesting substances yes. that change our brain. Addiction is the thing you do to keep from experiencing vulnerability, i.e. feelings. It's, and sometimes that's a drink or yep. a smoke or a line or whatever we're doing. Yeah. Oftentimes, for most people... It's not those things. Yeah, it is. It is it a can, behavior. It's a ritualistic pattern. Yes, it's a compulsive thought process. Yep. It could be a person dressing in a way that they are looked at, and a person who looks at a person to get a hit. You know, in the in the love addict world, I mean, it's like just getting hits. Yeah, uh, the eye contact for uh, uh, three seconds will be a hit. Yeah, like, oh, I better. It, it, so, that's how far we move. So, self. Rejection, toxic shame, contempt towards the self, codependency, 
leads to addiction, anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, most of them, and personality disorders, which we didn't get into in the book. Right. We stayed with addiction proper, but almost all of our anxiety disorder problems are depressive orientation problems. And, and I'm not discounting that they're the, the, the physiological piece yeah. and personality disorders are all related to codependency underneath it, the toxic shame that pushes us into codependency, the wounds that, wounds that no one was there trauma. to help us with yeah. when we were rejected, and the self. So recovery is the, the five things we just talked about in the last podcast, coming back to self. Yeah. And you come it back to self. with that. The, the addiction is reduced. The addiction slowly becomes small. You address the development that, that makes you need to run away from people, codependency, because you don't see yourself as acceptable. You start to address where the contempt for yourself being a self comes from. You deal with the struggles of your history of rejection. Remember, if you have feelings, one, you're going to feel them. Number two, you're going to have memories. Well, these are the memories. Well, the, the biggest gift I've experienced in my own recovery has been the transformation of toxic shame into like healthy shame. Right. Is yeah. That, like I can't get away from shame. That's a that's a actually really important. I'm glad experience. to hear you say that, because from what I understand, Brene Brown does not address healthy shame. I think that's a mistake. See, because healthy shame is the experience of being human, neediness, dependence, um, the cry. Well, the psychological definition of not having shame is being a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm looking for some shame because we're all made out of yeah. dirt. And it's so powerful that it's we can so overuse it and it becomes toxic. Yeah. Right. But without it, we are not good people. Like we have no, no self awareness or awareness of other Healthy people. No shame empathy. Is the yeah. ground from which we develop empathy. Yeah. And empathy allows us to have compassion. Because I know what it's like to be human inside myself, all the pain and joys that I seek, all I mean, all the pain I have and the joys I seek. Yeah. I can look at you and watch your face and go, oh, that's familiar well, it keeps to me. me keeps Compassion. me flattering myself with other people. Yeah. It allows me to celebrate other people's like gifts. It allows me to accept their weaknesses. It allows me to accept my own limitations. You like, know what, Stephen? This is funny. Yesterday, a great example. There was a guy I was talking to. He's 70 years old. And wonderful guy. I mean, he is a, he's just a great guy. And he said, you know, he said he, he did this deal and he's bringing in just a large amount of money per year, more than I'm ever going to see in, you know, years. Right. Yeah. And I was just talking to him and, and I had a pin in my hand and I, I tapped him on the leg with the pin and started laughing my guts out like, God, that is so good. I mean, I love that. So like you're getting you. that yeah. money, man. That's so great. He looked at me like, yeah. <laughs> and that is empathy, you know, like, that, what a great experience to have that kind of thing. Compassion, like the ability even to celebrate. I'm so glad for you. I don't have it. You got it, but I like you. I care about you. I think you're a good man. Yeah. And so not yeah. that you deserve it, but I can celebrate you having Healthy it. Healthy shame allows us to celebrate Healthy shame. Yeah. yeah. Humility is like. It's one of the greatest gifts of recovery. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I think he would want the same for me. Well, then that immediately shrinks our codependency. And Stephen, you know. I'm okay not having what he's got. That's his path. But still the path, the path of humility, the path of being needy, the path of being human, the path of God's direction, the path of us, uh, somebody who's got my back, I'm not alone. Who whispers wisdom into my right ear and my left ear? You know, we're in a herd, mm -hmm. a moving towards the same place. And when we 
reject our human experience, we've we've stepped off the path into the wilderness, which we talked about. We're cursing ourselves. Isolation. Yeah. We're, we're we're depending on our own strength, and our hearts have turned away from how we're created and the God who created us. And so that 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 humility, the re- recovery of self, our feelings, needs, desires, longings, hope, our our admission of being that right returns us to a, a sense of like relationship with ourselves relationship with others relationship with god which then right side like we then learn to experience pain we learn to live in the struggle of life yeah the joy and the sorrow we yeah. actually learn to tolerate our own feelings right yeah which then decreases our codependency yeah right our humility we have become human again our codependency belief that we can control people yeah. Or, or we have to serve people in order to have it. And then our need for substances that make us feel secure and safe and gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It wanes. Yeah. It's, it, it is ever-present, so we admit it. It's always there, still there. But it's, it's, it's more like a limp, Jacob's limp. It yeah. reminds us, oh, yeah, I saw God. The way I think about it. Oh, yeah, it, I've got a new name. Yeah, the way, the way I think about it is um, there was a time where my addictive behaviors were the biggest things in my life. And then now they're probably the same size as they were, you know, I met you in 99, which really began my process of moving away from those things. They're probably the same size, but my life has gotten so much bigger yep. than my addiction. And that's so beautiful in yeah. the paradigm of recovery. It's, it's the little bitty self, the baby self is now a big, a big fat cell. Yeah, I mean, not an egotistical cell. No, it's like a big yeah. fat from the standpoint like, you know, uh, 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 fat was a compliment, but it was like you mean you got a lot of food and you got a lot of places to get it. In other words, you've got a storehouse of self and it, it's you got enough to give away. Yeah. It, and, and it's, it's also not a starvation the, like diet. It's the, it's the I, I continue to grow because I accept that I'm a work in progress. Yeah. Right? Because I'm going to be even more of myself to share and give and, and partake and enjoy 20 years from now than I am now. You know, and, and as we close um, the book and uh, to talk about the, the way to stay The daily full, practices the, the, of staying full. And you said the word return, uh, and that speaks to the deal. We return to how we were created, and we start growing up into who we're created to be. And return requires that we do... Uh, when we return, we, we, we know how to replenish daily, uh, restore daily, experience redemption daily, recreation daily. And in the book, we address about, you know, eight or nine, ten things that we need to be conscious of experiencing daily. And there's like experts on all these things, right? But we just kind of point to like, yeah. like prayer daily, right? Prayer and meditation daily is a a practice that a recovery person has to use in order to find freedom in addiction. Yeah, staying in communion with yourself yeah. and God. Spiritual readings. Conversation. Right, is yeah. another uh-huh. one. Like, on purpose, picking up books that illuminate, enlighten, encourage, and refresh. Yes. Right, the human and, and it's and it's, not, and it's the contemplative orientation related yeah. to them, which means that, well, we go to journaling next, but those spiritual readings and those prayers like uh, Marianne Diamond, one of the first per- people to talk about neuroplasticity. Yeah. I mean, when you sit down with a spiritual reading, prayer, journaling, your hands writing, 
your brain connected, your heart yeah, being the whole, expressed, the whole human you're, experience. You're having an organismic experience. Yeah. Another daily practice is is vulnerability. Yeah. Right. Do an intimate relationship with trustworthy people, like yeah. sharing your heart and receiving their heart yes. in the process. There's, you've got to spend some time every day talking about the experience of your inner self. Otherwise, you are uh, going to become isolated. Yeah. One, and then the next practice is rigorous honesty, yeah. which is uh, that's a hard one. Yeah, am I telling the truth? Am I open? And am I willing? Yeah, you and am I willing to take feedback about how dishonest with myself I am? Yeah, yeah. Which which is <laughs> which is one more proof. It's like who do I have in my world to say you got a horse's tail? Yeah. You know, like sticking out your behind. <laughs> I mean, it's like who's going to tell me what I cannot see about myself? Yeah, and then the next daily practice is maintaining a clean slate of forgiveness, like That's keeping a short big. list. That's huge. Like when I when I break relationship do i own it and say i'm sorry not i'm sorry but like i'm sorry yeah and does my hurt become resentment does my loneliness become apathy am, am i attending to myself and in the 10th step in aa 10th step of the 12 steps and what we're talking about here is keeping a short list staying conscious of your mistakes and go go deal with them yeah. just keep up with sensitivity in fact yesterday this guy sent me this this funny, hilarious, uh, pretty crude, uh, you know, like video meme, TikTok thing. It's hilarious, like a, a play on words. And I didn't respond to him for like five hours because I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. And then I get a text after he sent it saying, man, I want to tell you, I'm so sorry I sent that if I've offended you. And he was like, <laughs> like I haven't seen it yet. I'm so working. I watched it. It's like, whoa. You know, I don't and, live with my phone. Yeah, but, I, yeah. but I, I, I texted back and said, hey, it, it's okay. It was really funny. He was like, okay, I can sleep now. But what he <laughs> yeah. was saying was, hey, I, that was crude. And if you're offended, I get it. I'm sorry if yeah. I did. Maybe there's codependency in it. Yeah. But at the same time, he was saying, I'm sensitive to my conscience. I love you and never want to put you in a position of being offended or me Care hurting. about our relationship more than Yeah. And he, was, he even said, I can sleep now. Yeah. Guy lives in another state. And the next great guy. Yeah, the next practice is caring for one's own emotional. Oh, by the way, he almost made a fault. I was like a little, like some kind of prig too. I guess. Was, anyway, never mind. <laughs> okay. The but next practice. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. The next practice is caring for one's own emotional, spiritual, and and physical health. Like the self care, which self care has become its own idolatrous addiction. Right oh now, man, right? see that's why I, you know it's. I'm glad you're talking about that because we're not talking about that, right? <laughs> we're, not to, yeah. we're not talking about. Make like sure you never self, have to deal with anything. Self-indulgence to, yeah. to deal with things. But we do have to take care of ourselves emotionally, physically, and spiritually so that we can do the next thing. Like a little bit of exercise, like a decent diet, like good sleep, like prayer, meditation. Like being responsible for my own being is important so that I can serve others, right? We need, which is the next practice. Like yes. serving others is so important. Yes. Yeah, so this, this guy came in, he's, he's young, he's 30, overwhelmed with work, very successful, but it's like, he's, he's running dry. He's like, I don't know how to do this. And, and I said two things. Number one, do you exercise? He and I gave it up. I had to quit because you know, my son, this, I said, do you have any time, that you do spiritual reading, spiritual time. He goes, no, because I blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, one hour a day. All human beings yeah. require an hour a day. You do 30 minutes of spiritual time. You do 30 minutes of exercise. You got to. because 
it's because if you exercise, you, you like cleaning yourself out, so to speak. And if you if you through the spiritual reading, you're taking something in. And then the last practice of, of daily living in recovery is gratitude. Amen. Is is celebrating, being thankful, offering gratitude to God and others, like just being available to say thank you, well done. Yeah, Ann Voskamp says that uh, 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 the miracle uh, is preceded by gratitude. Gratitude opens us up to experiencing the miracle. And gratitude isn't Pollyanna. Uh, gratitude is uh, honestly the beauty of remembering where I was, what happened and where I am now. Yeah. Do you know, because, uh, and then looking around our world and seeing what we're getting to do, which pushes us to make sure we take care of ourselves so that we have it to give get, it. Get to do it tomorrow. Yes, so we need to fill up at the well so we can go out and pour out to people we recognize like us. Yeah, I'm going to read through those again. Because prayer, spiritual reading, journaling, vulnerability, rigorous honesty, maintaining a clean slate of forgiveness, caring for one's own emotional, spiritual, and physical health, serving others in gratitude. Those are the daily practice of what it means to walk the road of recovery, yeah. the path of freedom. Yeah, and, and, and we close the book uh, with... The, the disciples were arguing about the latter. You know, who's the greatest, the greatest among us? Which, you know, I get that because the way society works, that's so common, right? It was old and it's new and it's still here. Who's the greatest in the kingdom yeah. of heaven? And yeah. Jesus brought a child who could stand with him. And he said, and this, this child, he said, unless you change, which we can't do, we have to admit our need for change. We can't change ourselves, but we can return to how we're made. That's the change. Unless you change and become like one of these, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot grasp what this whole thing, you cannot get on the path. You cannot have the life that you're really looking for. So, I mean, this is an amazing thing. Addiction can end up being a gift that leaves us with a limp that returns us to who we're made to be, our true name. And it, the beauty of, uh, was it uh, Genesis 32, the story of Jacob we talk about in the book, Jacob got a limp, and he had it the rest of his life. But that limp came from wrestling with a, a man, wrestling with God to find the life he was really looking for that he tried to do through his own willpower and smarts, but finally came to he had that life through surrender. And he said his name was changed from Jacob, which means to deceive, addicted, mm -hmm. to Israel, which means to struggle well, but to struggle with God and live. So we can close with that we struggle to return to how we're created unless you change and become like one of these you go back to how you're made and then learn how to grow up as an asker a seeker and a knocker and keeping that childlike openness of gratitude and wonder yeah. and awe all along the yeah. way yeah. yeah like sonia and those caterpillars ended up teaching me a ton about addiction <laughs> <laughs> thanks chip well, god bless you Stephen. this podcast is brought to you by sage hill a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com.